following a story that uh, we've uh, focused on over the last day or so. Uh, reports out of Wales at three South African sides set to join the Pro 14 competition by the start of the 2021 season. Of course, the uh, Pro 14 uh, has teams from Ireland, Wales, Scotland, uh, Italy, uh, grew uh, for this most recent campaign to 14 with the inclusion of the Cheetahs and the Kings. You remember them? They were kicked out of Super Rugby not long ago. Uh, understood that two more would join and then a third in a campaign after. Why? Well, South Africa, apparently their franchises have grown, grown increasingly delusion, uh, d- disillusioned rather, uh, with competing in Super Rugby alongside New Zealand, Australia, Argentina, while Pro 14 bosses have been heartened by the on-field impact of the Cheetahs and Kings and believe the prospective uh, introduction of further teams will significantly increase the quality of the competition and make it more attractive to broadcasters and investors. Now, Sanzar put out a pretty uh, straight-to-the-point uh, issue uh, statement yesterday saying this was unsubstantiated speculation and simply wrong. Uh, you may have heard Shark CEO Gary Teichman tell uh, Radio Sports Matt Brown earlier today that they've had no discussions joining the Pro 14 and are committed to Super Rugby. Lions president Kevin de Klerk, uh, for example, a little less straight to the point. We haven't had, ne- we haven't negotiated on or been in contact with any party whatsoever. What I have seen is three franchises and us being mentioned. Sansa has contracts in place which run until 2019. I can't see anything happening before that. Everybody is pretty much locked in until then. Maybe ultimately the millions of pounds on offer in Europe will influence the decision. There is nothing concrete at the moment. When this broadcasting deal comes to an end, there's going to need to be some close negotiations with Sansa. We thought a great man to comment on this, having been a former CEO of New Zealand Rugby over a long sports administration career. He was one of the chief architects, of course, of Sansa. David Moffat rejoins Radio Sport. Very good afternoon, David. Good afternoon. Lot to take in there. What have you taken in yep. more than most in the last 24 hours? Is this political well, posturing first? Let's try to deal with that. Well, it, it could be. I mean, it could be South Africa trying to get a better deal uh, from the television rights out of uh, Australia, New Zealand and, and, and Argentina. Or there could be some truth to it. You know, there's obviously something going on. Otherwise, I don't think having run the Welsh Rugby Union, I'm not quite sure that they would have just come out and said it all. And if it wasn't them either, I don't think. I think it was the local uh, rag that was actually proffering this. However, yeah, Wales Online. Wales Online. Wales Online, yeah. Um, however, having said that, if I was the CEO of South African Rugby, I'd go north, and I'd do that for a couple of reasons. One is that it's in pretty much the same time zone um, as South Africa, and you get you get to the UK in an overnight flight, um, and so therefore you just sleep on the plane instead of sleeping in your own bed and you're there. Um, and also because I'm not quite sure how the South African economy is travelling at the moment. Um, I think it most likely isn't that flash, um, perhaps a little bit like Australia's. Um, and um, I, I would I would think that they would be looking at the potential for getting much bigger return on their money. I'm not quite sure that Pro, uh, Pro 14 would be the right competition to join, but if that's to be, that's to be. But I would certainly be talking about that. And um, and the potential is all, always there, I would think. So there's a lot of common sense to this notion of looking north. The issue 
I guess maybe we have is we've heard this before, haven't we, David? I, I remember yeah. um, Oregon Hoskins, uh, the South African president at the time in 2016, when talking about um, having a six-team in Super Rugby, he said, if we don't have six teams, we might as well shut the doors and look north. So, and saw, Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and they saw how bad that decision was because it didn't last very long. And the interesting thing is that um, the kings have come stone cold, marvellous last in that in that Pro 14 competition, which is not the best rugby competition in the world. It's got some good teams in there, no doubt, but there's also some fairly ordinary teams as well. Um, yeah, so look, I, I don't know if uh, if there's much to be ahead about this, but what I do know is that some of the other stuff floating around, i.e. going to 20 teams in Super Rugby, is just nonsensical. And I'm not quite sure what the geniuses are thinking of in Sanzar if they're really looking at it. Because in actual fact, if you think about just the numbers, if there were 20 teams, let's say 50 players in, in each of the franchises over a season, you're looking at 1,000 players good enough to be professional rugby players, and that's ridiculous. There most likely aren't 1,000 players of that quality right around the world, let alone in places like America and Australia. We, we, we would be able to hold up five teams. I don't think we could actually even go to six. Um, so, you know, if they flirt with that sort of thing, then I think, um, you know, Super Rugby will die a death by a thousand cuts. What they need, in my view, is a 12-team home-and-away competition. If I mean, if I was to ask you and your listeners, what teams don't the New Zealand franchises play this season? Are you? Would you be able to tell me? Possibly not. And you're in the you're in the game of sport. Um, <laughs> that tells you something. You know, I, I ask that question of a lot of people, mm. and they can't tell me because because we don't have a decent competition. It's not even. It, we don't play each team. Not even once on. In, and I don't know which teams are not being played once. But you know what they need is a twelve team competition played home and away, which gives you the quantity that all the broadcasters are looking for, but it did give you quality. And that's what they're also looking for. And that's why one of the reasons Sky and um, uh, and uh, Supersport in, and, and Foxtel are seeing drops in numbers because people, A, what, they don't know what the competition is, and B, um, you know, they, they don't think it's a proper competition. It's a development competition. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think there are some bigger problems facing them than just trying to keep South Africa in the competition. I could mm. see South Africa staying in, but perhaps with only a two or three teams max, um, two or three teams max in Australia, I think five teams in New Zealand, um, and then work out what's going to be the best team, the best competition. I'm not sure they've asked the fans what they want to watch. They should start by doing that. You know, I, I do wonder if the, the leaked document is part of that uh, strategic plan. I don't know how anyone can call that a strategic plan, David. It was basically, here is a smorgasbord of ideas. Look, yeah. we, we've thought it, of every possible idea, aren't we good? Well, I think that's the problem. You know, get out there and speak to the fans and see what they want, because they obviously don't, what's being, don't want what's being served up now, other than the home and away um, New Zealand derbies, you know? I mean, that's what, that's what drives this competition. Uh, it is not, um, you know, the teams playing in South Africa. Nobody gets up anymore. I mean, for, at the beginning, when we started Super 12, 
We had a shorter window. We played every team once, uh, and it wasn't a perfect competition. But everybody knew what was happening. Now that they've expanded, and the reason we actually had a shorter window was we were trying to protect club rugby, but that, that's now been long gone. Protecting club rugby is not on the agenda any longer. So why don't they use the the expanded um, window of opportunity to have a 12-team home and away competition? You know, it's not the job of Sanzar to actually develop rugby in the world. It's a devel- that's the job of world rugby. Yet Sanzar seems to think that it's their job. They want to go to America. I mean, <laughs> soccer's been there for 40 years and look, they haven't been able to crack it. And uh, I can tell you now, if any game was to succeed in in America, it would be sevens. It wouldn't be 15 aside because mm. they can understand sevens. They're quite good at it, actually. And I wouldn't mind betting that one of these um, Olympic games, you might find America actually winning the sevens. But, but, you know, I just shake my head, actually, and say wonder where these people are at. Yeah, and I shake my head wondering, and my, my head, no, actually, I don't shake my head, it just goes around in circles and circles and circles as to, as to where this will all end up. David Moffat is with us. David, let's talk nuts and bolts. What benefits to New Zealand, Australia and, and Argentina are there of having South Africa and Sanzar? The follow-up question is in reverse, without them being there. How, can you, how would you describe that relationship? What are South Africa bringing? I think South Africa bring a different style of rugby that um, we like to play against, and, and they and they bring a, a degree of competitiveness. But um, I, I don't think they're critical to the future of New Zealand rugby. I think that they would be nice to have. They're not a must-have. Um, I wouldn't have Argentina in the competition, no matter how. I think that the Jaguares have done quite well, but we must remember that they're actually fielding almost an international side these days. Um, in a in a um, provincial competition, um, no, but I, I mean I would keep I would keep a couple of teams from South Africa in it, um, but I would just go and find out okay what are the best twelve teams to have here and if and if two of those are South African teams, I can absolutely guarantee you that if if we knew that we were playing every team home and away, in a in a really high profile, highly competitive competition, it would change things almost overnight. So it's about quality, essentially. Absolutely, it's quality yeah. control. Is 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 the one advice you would give to anyone? Absolutely, it's about quantity as well. And with twelve teams home and away, you get the quantity, but it's quality. I mean, people don't want to go along and watch rubbish rugby. I mean, it's hard enough watching rugby when it's you know under the current laws, you know, for for non uh, um, you know sort of advocates for the game. But but if you've got quality, then you've then then you're going to get good games and the close games, and it's not just up to the New Zealand teams to provide all of the excitement. You 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 go back to twelve teams, um, and it gets everything for everybody. Then quantity and quality, and and I absolutely uh, believe that. Oh, you could say five teams from New Zealand, you know, three from South Africa if you needed to get three from there. Two from Australia because they can't afford any more than that at the moment, um, and um, you know where else do you get two teams from? It, w- it shouldn't be difficult to f- find out where you can get the money um, from for a twelve-team home and away competition because that's right. what they've got to do. Right. Before I let you go, David, and, and I don't know what South Africa will do. I'm, I'm just fascinated at the possibilities, and I'm not calling uh, New Zealand rugby and, and Australia and Argentina lily white when I say things like, 
Gee, I've seen a lot of backflips from South Africa over the years, so I find them hard to predict. I do think it's incumbent on New Zealand rugby and New Zealand rugby fans to be open-minded enough to think they could walk away and be prepared to have a viable alternative the next minute. So I let's would... let's expl- exclude South Africa. What is the what yeah. is the alternative if the, if South Africa do go north by their own choice? Um, a trans Tasman competition um, involving a team from the islands would most likely be the thing you could put in place very quickly. Whether you could get enough money from that or not, I don't know. Um, but if you had quality um, and you were able to provide the requ- requisite quantity. I still think you could most likely build something. Because let's face it, you know, the, the NRL is able to do that, and it's basically only played in two states in Australia. So, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd most likely, if you had four teams from Australia and six from here playing a 10-team competition initially, um, that's something I'd do. I'd, I'd get rid of um, Melbourne because they're never going to succeed in Melbourne, the Rebels. I don't care what anybody says. Um, you know, you've got Aussie rules and rugby league down there. Um, I'd go to Western Australia with the fourth team. And then the other thing I'd do, which might sound a little bit like heresy, is I would actually get rid of the regional teams um, and I would go back to the tribalism of our provincial sides. So not quite sure whether Auckland would make it at the moment, (laughs) whether you'd have to have North Harbour in there. But I think, you know, certainly, you know, Canterbury versus Wellington, you know, versus Otago, and go back and get the tribalism back into it. Because when you, when you have a look at, for example, in South Africa, when they're playing, the top teams are playing Curry Cup, they're getting bigger crowds there for a Curry Cup than they do get for um, Super Rugby games. And I just think that's the one thing, one of the things we're missing now. Okay, it was fine when we started it up 20-odd years ago. It was fine. We had to do it then. But, but the world is a different place now. And I actually think, going back to tribalism, that pure, unadulterated tribalism, I think that would also be a really good thing if we were forced to do that. Um, you know, that might slightly be the second choice. But the first choice would be to actually get that 12-team competition home and away sorted. Right. I'm just trying to find the historical standings of last year. So the top five, what, Taranaki, Canterbury, North Arbor, Tasman, counties represent New Zealand in this competition and then, then, then maybe the other the other provinces provide players. You could you could draft them in. You could add a bit, you know, a bit of modern stuff. David, yeah. it sounds remarkably like an idea I, I thought of about twenty years ago. Oh well, yeah, because you wouldn't have those teams up there when they had all of their. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> that'd be great. Playing, playing for them, but but look, you know, who's to say that you know you couldn't have some sort of promotion and relegation. Um, for the New Zealand uh, teams uh, based on I don't know what criteria. But but ultimately, the the world is going to change and it's going to continue changing. And if they don't change, but if they don't just change for change sake and come up with these fanciful ideas of a 20-team competition spanning the whole globe, they're not doing the right thing by the game or by the fans. So in a nutshell, it's scale it back, quality control, have a simple competition. Everyone plays everyone, you know. Um, Twice, kept within home it, and away. Kept, home and away. Home and away. Uh, quality control. And that's about that, isn't it, David? Yeah. I am not taking out of context there. No, simple. Keep it simple. That's what they always used to say when we were playing the game. Keep it simple. And that's what I think we ought to be doing in terms of the competition. We appreciate your time and insight as always, David. Hopefully we can catch up soon. Okay. Thank you. Bye.
David Moffat joining us on the program. Uh, the former boss of New Zealand Rugby, of course, who was one of the architects of Sanzar uh, in the first place.